0: from the National Association of Evangelicals. Welcome to today's conversation. Our topic, how to make disciples in the 21st century. Host Leif Anderson, NAE President, talks with Doug Nunkey, U.S. President of The Navigators. Today's conversation is brought to you by Bellhaven University preparing students academically and spiritually to serve Christ Jesus in their careers, in human relationships, and in the world of ideas. Located in Jackson, Mississippi, Bellhaven offers 70 areas of study, including academic majors and concentrations across a full spectrum of disciplines, as well as the new Master of Ministry Leadership program, the MBA for Ministers. More at bellhaven.edu. And now, let's join
1: in. I'm Leith Anderson, President of the NAE, here with Doug Nunke. Doug has been the US President of the Navigators for 10 years, though he has been with the ministry since the mid-1990s. In his early years with Navigators, he helped create and direct Edgecore, which is the Navigators' campus leadership program. And then, prior to the Navigators, he was the pastor of student ministries at a church in the Denver, Colorado area. He's written about discipleship on his blog and in his books, and speaks on discipleship around the country. Doug also serves on the NAE board, and I know that discipleship is this man's bread and butter. So, it's great to have Doug with us to talk about discipleship in the 21st century. Thanks, Doug, for joining us.
2: Glad to be here.
1: All right, so before we dig in, uh, I I want you to share a little bit about the Navigators and what, what the Navigators do. Um, I think many people are familiar, but that's because they've been maybe tangentially touched by the ministry, but there's others that don't know at all. So this is your opportunity to give us an ad. Just tell us what The Navigators is and what The Navigators do.
2: Well, you know, The Navigators have been around for about 85 years, and while we are on college campuses, we have about 2,700 staff that are on military bases, college campuses, working with the local church. In the inner city, working with business and professionals, every context you can imagine, the navigators are not about where we do ministry while we do it in all those places. What we're about is raising up disciples of Jesus who will have a heart and a vision to raise up disciples of Jesus in in a generational ripple of grace. Um, And in all those contexts, we intentionally focus on raising up everyday people to grow in Christ and then to be able to help others grow in Christ.
1: Maybe we need a definition. So how do you define discipleship?
2: Yeah, when we think about discipleship, we think of um, the act of being a disciple, the act of being a follower of Jesus. You know, that, that word in the New Testament, disciple, means to be a learner or an adherent. And we are called to be disciples of Jesus. So discipleship is that process in which all of us, as followers of Christ, um, move towards Him and grow in Him and become more like Him.
1: All right. So disciples have been made since um, the first century, Matthew 28:19 and 20. But the navigators, um, less than a century old. How do you compare? the distinctives, the approach of the Navigators to other discipleship approaches, I guess mostly today, but that have been around for a long time as well.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I think um, the focus uh, for the Navigators has always been this apprenticeship model uh, that we see in the ministry of Jesus. Um, You know, Jesus uh, invested deeply in the 12. He had others that were around, but those were the ones that he spent his three years really building into and And with the idea, even in his prayer um, in John 17, he talked about um, he prayed for those that would believe through the disciples, and that's been the heart of the Navigators. Dawson Trotman, our founder, began to build in the lives of uh, Navy sailors uh, back in the 1930s with the heart and the intent that they would build in the lives of others. So I would say that the Navigators' brand of disciple-making or discipleship is this whole idea of, of uh, growing as a disciple and intentionally helping others through relationship to be able to be like Christ.
1: Of course, there's differences. You have thousands of staff, and they have tens of thousands, and, and the list goes on, especially for so very long. Amazing impact Navigators have had. But just on a general scale, what, what
2: does it practically look like? Uh, you know, what, what actually happens? Yeah. You know, and you know, our intent in the navigators, these 2,700 staff that we have are out there in all those contexts and their goal is to raise up people who will walk with Christ, but, but then in their everyday life, be able to have others, you know, one or two people that they're building into. Uh, our founder Dawson Trotman used to say, where's your man, where's your woman? And that he wasn't talking to professional ministry types when he was saying that he was saying it to everyday people. And so in the context of work in a neighborhood, in a community, in, in, you know, on a soccer field, watching your kids' soccer games um, um, or your grandchildren's soccer games, you know, relating to those around you and, and sowing seeds of the gospel. And as you meet people that end up coming to Christ to build into them, I, you know, for instance, I've got a, there's a young couple up our street. And they have have a hunger to grow in their relationship with christ, and uh, Pam meets one on one with this uh, young mom who's uh, has a three year old and then a newborn and they just try to fit in a time that fits in the normal busy schedules of everyday people to to meet get into the scriptures to learn to pray and uh and have a life guided by god's word i I meet with uh, the the husband um uh, every once in a while, he comes down. We have a quiet time um, together early in the morning before the day starts. We, we talk about life, and I try to give him the skills to be able to uh, follow Christ, but also model the skills. Of what, is it, what does it look like in s- very simple ways to help others follow Christ? Um, you know, right, our, so let's, our— Yeah, go ahead.
1: So let, let's uh, talk about uh, starting a discipleship relationship. What I mean, from what you're saying, I think it's just the natural stuff. So one of your predecessors, Jerry White, he he starts discipleship by playing handball with people. I think you're more of a Starbucks guy, it, but it's the natural stuff. I mean, where do these begin, these relationships?
2: Yeah, we we um, I've got I've got uh, three young business guys that I meet with on Tuesday mornings that I'm in a discipling relationship with them. I'm I'm helping them grow as disciples and giving them a vision to make disciples. Well, one of them was my real estate agent. Another one was a guy that was a handyman that has a little construction business that did some work at my house. And I got to know them and I saw that they had a, a, a desire to grow and I invited them to start getting together. And you know, in fact, I, one of them, the real estate guy, I'll be meeting with tomorrow afternoon, late afternoon to get together one-on-one, talk about life, encourage them in the scriptures and pray for him.
1: All right, so from day one, the first time you meet, or at least start meeting regularly, um, how long does this process usually last? You mentioned with Jesus it was three years, but what's typical today?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, and 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 at least uh, we have many contexts that we we do this, and I'd say it depends on the context, and it depends on where you're starting with someone. Um, you know, for instance, on a college campus or a military um, situation where people are together, they've got more time, they're in a more uh, intense, focused, kind of a simulated community, disciple-making and, disi- you know, growing as a disciple can happen more quickly. And you can, you know, get through some of the basics in a, in a quicker way. If, if it's a group of people like on, on a street where all, everyone's working eight to five jobs plus other things uh, you know it takes a little bit longer and it's a little bit slower, and so I think uh, we try to encourage people to adapt their model for helping someone grow as a disciple um, around the context and their situation in life and you know depending on where you start with someone um you know if you're starting from scratch and someone has just come to faith in Christ, you know you're starting there others others have uh, had some grounding in the scriptures,
1: but it's more likely to be months or maybe even years, not days and weeks, right? That's that's true, exactly. All right, I love the stories, and you've got lots of them, of wonderful discipleship examples that have turned out great, but um, maybe that doesn't always happen. So relational discipleship doesn't always go as we would like it to go. So we can get excited about a new discipleship or mentoring relationship, but maybe then become discouraged because it, it takes a long time or maybe it's gone backwards instead of forward. So how would you encourage someone who is discouraged or frustrated because of it's not going the way they wanted it to go?
2: Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. You know, in our broken world, we're working with, you know, with people that have all kinds of backgrounds or in all kinds of situations and the trials of life can, can catch people off guard and can, be a challenge, as well as the temptations of the world that we live in. I I can think of situations where, uh, you know, probably three different kinds of situations that relate to what you're talking about, Leif. One would be where someone's really struggling, they're not doing very well, and you hang with them for a while to see how things are going. Uh, you know, God's grace. Jesus uh, had 12 disciples, and if you you know read the Gospels uh, closely, you see that they didn't always get it. And um, in fact, they, they erred at times, you know, even Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples um, didn't get it and, and needed to be restored. And uh, then I can think of situations where I've had uh, people that um, were really struggling and decided to kind of pull back and didn't want, they didn't have a passion and desire to be growing at that point. And they, we pushed the pause button. Actually, I can think of a couple of different situations over the years where where someone was really struggling with sexual sin, and and their lifestyle began to change, they they put they put Jesus over on hold for a period of time, and what was interesting. In a number of those situations, they ended up coming back. They ended up going over here for a while, and it was kind of the story of the of the uh, prodigal son. They they ended up coming back, and they were they were more committed than ever at that time, and. And then other situations where we push the pause button, and and the person just continued to go uh, that way. I, it makes me think of the the uh, the parable of the sower and the four different uh, soil types. Uh, that you'll have some that are good soil, and you'll have some that are kind of in between, and then you'll have some that are just not not good soil at all.
1: I like your metaphor of the pause button rather than the quit button or the turn it off button But that's with the hope that God's going to bring it back around. So discipleship, it, it's so easy to think of it as, okay, we're going to talk about the Bible and we're going to pray and we're going to talk about how you grow spiritually. But in these relationships, people lose jobs and they get sick and their stresses with their children and their marriages and their money and all of that. So how does, how does the discipler relate to that? Because that's part of the whole person that's being discipled.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we enter into people's lives right where they are. And we enter into the situations, we enter in with them as friends, as comrades in life, you know, to be able to walk through those tough situations. Uh, these uh, three business uh, guys, anyone we've discipled in the past, we, we walk with them through life. And that's how, that's how we grow as followers of Christ. In fact, that's the fertile soil of disciple making is everyday life, in the broken world, in the trials, um, and to be able to walk with people. And it's actually, I find, and and I would guess most of the people listening find that it's through some of those more difficult times of life that we find ourselves growing deeper in our faith and our dependence on God.
1: I think most of us who are familiar with the Navigators tend to think of Navigators in terms of one-to-one discipleship and that's sort of the specialty. But are there equal opportunities for couple-to-couple couple or group discipleship? Does it have to be one-to-one?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. We we actually, while well, one-to-one is one of the forms that, that we we see in, you look in the scriptures, uh, we like to use the word life, uh, life-to-life. So sometimes life-to-life uh, looks like me with three business leaders on a Tuesday morning, and that's how it's happening. In fact, there's a a special dynamic that happens through them that I don't bring. We each bring something to one another's life. It's that Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You see that happening. Um, on the other hand, I'm pulling one of them aside to to meet one one to one tomorrow afternoon. And so I, I think we. But it's life. Uh, it's life to life. God intends for us in community to be with one another and sharpening one another. Um, often we can get off and, and while there's a role for the discipler, I find that uh, much of the most healthy disciple making that takes place is when the discipler recognizes the uh, value of bringing people together and it can be couples. It can be uh, a small group in which it can happen. And, uh, it's uh, it's always fun to see how God uses the gifts of other people to build into the lives of people to help them grow as followers of Christ.
1: In many areas of life, whether it's uh, you know, work or church or health, there, there tend to be trends. There are cycles of things. And uh, For example, I suppose if we talked about discipleship um, over 2,000 years, it was a trend that came when uh, people learned to read when we had the printing press, and, and that made tools available that weren't previously available. So w- what are the trends today, or how have the trends changed in, in the last hundred years? What, what's happening, I guess, that maybe
2: people wouldn't know about? Yeah, well, it's interesting. If you go back, you know, Sunday school was what started in the late 1700s and was, was a form of how people grew in their scripture knowledge. And, uh, you know, it became, it started as a, you know, it started as a way to be able to actually reach uh, kids, but it, it ended up growing to the place where that was really a place where a lot of discipleship took place. Um, by the 1930s, um, you know, Dawson Trotman recognized that in a lot of churches, people who would call themselves Christians weren't really growing. They may have been attending church, attending Sunday school, but they were, they were really Christian in name only. They, they weren't growing towards Jesus in, in a relational kind of way, in a dependence kind of way. It was more you know a, something they put on their, their driver's license application or what kind of uh, denomination they were part of. And it was really Dawson that, and, and others. There's kind of a community of people that really started um, to grow and help people grow in, in a deeper understanding of uh, the value of being an active follower of Christ and to have intentional disciple making that really got people into the scriptures. And I, you know, you look back from the thirties, forties, fifties, uh, that's during period of time when ministries like the navigators, uh, young life camp crew and uh Lord when, uh, I mean, it was when Henry had mirrors out in California, had a group of people that were helping people grow deeper. It's uh, almost like that was a discipleship revolution that took place during those years. Um, you know, I think with travel and mobility, as that's grown over the years, the, the, the ease of being able to travel for your job or be moved in your job and to be all over the place, I think that has created a new time where it's uh, people's lives are busier than ever. Uh, I, I'd say that in the last 50 years, the the decline of Sunday school has made it so um, you know, many, many churches are are now without a Sunday school type thing going on, struggling with, well, how do we make disciples? Um, because it, it, I think we all would recognize it's more than a sermon on Sunday morning. But I would say that we're in a period of uh, history right now where we need to ask some questions. If it's not, if it's not Sunday school, if it's not one-on-one life life uh, disciple-making, what is it going to be? And I, I think we're at a pivotal time in history. Um, and we did, the Navigators partnered together with Barner Research uh, several years ago to do a study called the State of Discipleship. And what we found was, once again, many, many people who would call themselves Christians, might even attend church, uh, you know, two or four to you know, two or three times a month. Um, While Christian in name and even have had a a conversion experience, they wouldn't say that they are people of the scriptures or they wouldn't say that they pray daily. They wouldn't, you know, some of the things that you'd say would be part of what a disciple looks like. They're not there. And it was quite sobering in the research to see that. I, I think we're at a time where where uh, what Jesus did with his disciples, what the Navigators have been doing, and what many other churches uh, have done through the years is needed more than ever before um, during this day and age, Uh, particularly as we have a generation of young men and women that are coming up with less scriptural knowledge and understanding of um, the Bible and uh, uh, the lessons of the scriptures.
1: So the challenges are great. Although, you know, I think of Dawson Trotman. He, a war, you would think, would not facilitate discipleship, but it did. And, yes, you know, sailors that were on ships, and, and he seized an opportunity. So, what are the opportunities today? Maybe surprising opportunities, um, like the days of Dawson Trotman, where something that was bad he actually used for good. But do we have opportunities that are uniquely our time here in the 21st century?
2: Well, I think, yeah, I think we do. I think this uh, millennial generation that's coming up, you know, growing is, has a heart for community and to be able to, to, to make, take advantage of their heart to gather together, to be able to introduce them to the idea of disciple making. I think, I think that we have, uh, you know, technology opportunities. I mean, with social media and technology, we have um, resources and information, and Bible studies, and, you know, right there at our fingertips. Um, I like to call Bible studies and those various resources, um, you know, resources that support disciple making. They aren't disciple making on their own, but, but because, of, because of technology, we have those things right at our fingertips. I can, this guy that I meet with that lives up the street, I can give him, I can give him some uh, tools that I can send him a link for on his cell phone. And it just, it's, it's uh, just right there in time, we can help people. Um, I think that, you know, we have a period uh, where there is, uh, you know, deep uh, brokenness in our, in our culture in so many different ways, and we can, we can enter in through those, those challenges. Like you were saying earlier, people that we meet with, that we are helping grow as disciples are living real lives. And I think even brokenness is an opportunity. When people are struggling with different things, we can enter into their lives and bring help to those difficult situations. Um, you know, I, um, I'm i hopeful. I'm very hopeful. I think, like you said, just like in the time of Dawson Troppen and, and all along the way, um, there's been opportunities that each uh, era or each uh, decade has provided. And I think we're going into a time when when uh, we'll have new opportunities. One one opportunity that I'm pretty passionate about, Leith, is this whole idea of what I would call the sleeping giant. Um, you know, disciple making is not supposed to be something that's been professionalized. It's for everyone. In fact, Jesus did it with his disciples, and it's for every person that attends church on a Sunday morning that they can be part of one growing in Jesus Christ, but also ministering to people in their family or their neighborhood in simple ways, simple pass ways to be able to strike up a relationship and help others also. Um, so I think it's exciting what God's got for us, uh, looking at hey, the me, future. Let me dig a
1: little deeper. I, I, so are you okay with, um, apps and Facebook and things like this being tools for discipleship? I'm not suggesting that they be the only means, you know, I, my father was never much of a fan of uh, people going to church by radio or television. He used to say that that's like kissing your girlfriend over the phone. It's not quite exactly the same thing. So you need to have a real uh, personal face-to-face relationship. But are you okay with apps and Facebook as, as a means of discipleship?
2: I think, I think the primary means for discipleship, at least in the Navigators, we, we promote and are passionate about the, the, um, the apprenticeship model. Where you have a, someone that is, takes the responsibility to be the discipler and to help some people grow as disciples. That being said, tools, social media, online opportunities, resources that are there are great tools that can support that apprenticeship model. I, I um, in, in the apprenticeship model, I've got people that I get on the phone with. You know, I can do it over the phone um, personally, or, or through video, video conference. And uh, so those tools can actually make it possible to, to do things. I've got a guy that I'm reading a book with up in, in Minneapolis, actually. And uh, if it wasn't for a video conference, we, we wouldn't be able to get on, see one another's face, but it, it starts with the relationship and it starts with a commitment to walk together intentionally. And I think that, uh, you know, resources by themselves just to be able to you know, without the relationship, are are much less effective than uh, than disciple making and that model of life uh, to life, um, utilizing the resources that are available to us.
1: Talk about Bible memorization. That's been a key part with Navigator's topical memory system and um, just memorizing Scripture. And you are good at this. I've heard you. Uh, quote the Bible, you know the reference, you know the book, you know the numbers that that's really been uh sort of basic sort of a pillar of navigator discipleship hasn't it it
2: has it has we we um we believe and i w- I would assert that that there's three main things that God uses in helping someone grow as a disciple the spirit, the Holy Spirit certainly transforms us um you know we see that in in second corinthians three eighteen where it says that, that we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is a spirit. So there's the Holy Spirit. There's like-hearted community. We talked earlier, Proverbs 27, 17, sharpening one another, the value of community. But, but a, another key one that we've always had as one of our high values has been the word of God. Jesus' high priestly prayer there in John 17:17, 17, 17, he prayed for his disciples. He said to his father, sanctify them in the tr- truth. Your word is truth. And so the value of, of um, studying the scriptures, memorizing the scriptures, and meditating on the scriptures gets God's word into our heart and allows us to be able to um, pull it up when needed. Um, if we don't have it memorized, uh, it's uh, difficult. If, if our Bible is at home and we have a struggle or something that, that goes on at work, um, and we don't have some scripture committed to memory, uh, we'll be—we'll um, have to wait till we get home. <laughs> and um, like most things in life, uh, we we can learn the most right in the moment if we have the opportunity to be able to pull scripture back up. So we continue. We have um, the navigators have their topical memory system that has been a classic through the years. It helps people get started in scripture memory.
1: Earlier, I asked you to give an ad for navigators. I'm going to give a quick ad here for NAE. We have a magazine called Evangelicals, and you wrote a great article for the spring summer 2018 uh, issue of Evangelicals magazine. And in that article you talked about uh, how and when pastors and Christians leaders should weigh in on social media and uh, other spaces on, on, on current events. So how does that play into this? And I, I guess it's saying how important is it what somebody posts on uh, Twitter or um, on Facebook, how does that relate to the influence of discipleship?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, I'd say even in our, our, our conversations with people, we can get caught up in in a lot of the issues of our day, which it's important to have dialogue about those. I'd say, um, but for instance, when I'm meeting with these young guys on on um, Tuesday mornings, like we, we we a principle we have in disciple making is is like begets like. You plant an apple seed, you get apple tree. You plant a peach tree seed, you get a peach tree. If I'm a person. And as some of it with uh, different conversations about um, current events, um, I just, my observation is that you can see people that their tone can end up being mean-spirited or argumentative. How our tone and our character is as Christian leaders impacts the kind of disciples we'll make. Um, it's a sobering thing. When I think of time seasons in my own life, when I, when I wasn't as patient, I should be, or my tone wasn't right on a certain topic. And I had passed that same critical spirit on to someone else. That's, uh, you lose sleep over that. So I think that's one thing is what our tone is, can actually be passed on. Young men and women can, can watch a, a leader that's ahead of them, whether it's someone in, in vocational ministry or, or, just a, an elder in a church and can pick that up. Um, the other thing is that is I've always got to watch that I'm not, um, taking political issues and, and coming down so hard on one side or the other on them that it ends up adding to the gospel. It can become an encumbrance to the gospel. Um, people who have a desire to follow Jesus, you know, and to some degree, you know, this whole idea that it's the gospel is a relationship with Jesus. It's Jesus plus nothing. And it's this grace of God in the cross. When we start adding to that, it ends up encumbering the gospel and it can actually turn people off to Christ um, and turn them off to the true gospel. They begin to think that, uh, you know, that being a Christian means having these certain sets of opinions or convictions on certain social issues. And, um, um, you know, a good reading of the book of Galatians uh, is, sobers us up when we begin to think that way, that we've added, added things to the gospel. So it's, um, um, I, think, I think it's important for us to dialogue about those things clearly. Those are the important issues of our day um, that, that, are, that we're, we're being faced with. Um, but the tone, how we go about doing it, and if we do it with such strong conviction that it seems to add to the gospel, I think we, we can miss.
1: Most people are not on campuses or aboard ships. A lot of Christians are in churches, so I want to hear your advice to churches and pastors on how to go about discipleship, and what kind of Tools should they use, uh, and should it be a program? Uh, is it like Growth Groups, uh, Navigators Two Seven program? What's what, what's the appropriate advice that you want to give to the average person in the average church, especially the leaders of the churches, and how to go about uh, celebrating and experiencing discipleship within a congregation?
2: Yeah, I you know, and you know, I'm a seminary guy and have worked at a church too, Leith. So I I um I can find myself because if i if if it's my teaching gifts or my my um, preaching my you know platform gifts that end up being um, the only thing that I bring in my in my ministry or my church, then I miss the opportunity of mobilizing the everyday people and um I think one of the main things I think about is this sleeping giant um this idea that there are hundreds of thousands, even millions of people that sit in our churches that are ready to be mobilized as disciple makers. I think that's the key thing is to help them. Billy Graham is quoted as saying that the first reformation put the Bible in the hands of people, but it failed to put the ministry in the hands of the people. And I think we still have time for a new reformation um, where we put the ministry in the hands of the people. So I think the main, while cur- like we talked earlier, curriculums, resources are important. The Navigators 2-7 series and the, you know, the Tested and True Design for Discipleship books are, are helpful, and there's a lot of tools that we can use. But those tools need to be put in the hands of everyday people in our congregations, and they need to be equipped to be able to utilize them and And one of the things too, I think, is we as christian you know as as um, professional ministry people i 'll put it that way, can often create forms for disciple making that work for people that are doing it full time but don 't work for people who have everyday jobs, regular fifty hour or week jobs that they're they're working so that 's another one that I find for myself, and i've failed on this over the years at different times is to adjust my the, the methods for disciple making that I'm passing on, for instance, to these young guys on Tuesday mornings to make it pass onable so they can actually use it because they don't have the, the time and the freedom that I have being in vocational ministry to use it. So I, I think uh, those are a couple of thoughts, but the main one is just this idea of really seeing that we have a sleeping giant. We have uh, a, an amazing resource of people that are ready to go and would love to be trained and equipped. Uh, there's one church down in Dallas that's got over a thousand people that have gone through the two seven series and that the two seven series does a great job of equipping people into becoming disciples and, and, and making disciples.
1: One last question, and I'm going to snap my fingers and make you into a prophet. So <laughs> uh, I don't know if you can predict the future. Now we won't hold you to it, but what, what do you think is going to happen? In discipleship in the next uh, decade or or twenty years, what what do you see coming? What's on the horizon?
2: Yeah, I you know I think that that our um, I think what'll happen, uh, Leith, is that one one cultural view that I've got is just in the U.S. is we have quite a divided country on social issues. I think what's going to end up happening is that we as, as leaders in the body of Christ are going to recognize that that is not the place to win the war. The place to win the war is on helping people grow as Jesus in Jesus, regardless of their political viewpoints on things. I think that's going to break out. I'll see it happening. I see it at uh, the NAE board meetings. I see the, the reflection that a lot of those leaders have and looking back and saying, what do we need to do? We need to focus on Christ and we need to focus on the scriptures. I think that's something that's gonna happen. And what I just mentioned earlier, I think by prayer and by faith, I believe that we are gonna mobilize the sleeping giant. I think those everyday people that are sitting in our congregations, um, if we will make a commitment to equip them, you know, to do what it talks about in Ephesians, you know, chapter four, Where where uh, Paul, you know, says that that the uh, turn to it really quickly here, Um, you know that that the pastors and teachers and evangelists and prophets are called out to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. I'm I'm hoping and praying that that's part of our future here in the next 10 years.
1: Our guest on today's conversation has been Doug Nunke, U.S. President of the Navigators. I'm Leith Anderson, and on behalf of us all, very special thanks to Doug.
0: The National Association of Evangelicals is where we use influence for good. Today's conversation is one of many ways we connect and represent evangelical Christians in the United States. To discover more NAE topics and resources for you and your church, Please follow along on Twitter at NAEvangelicals or on our Facebook page for the National Association of Evangelicals. And sign up for our email list when you visit our website at nae.net.